So I want to welcome you here, Brandt. I mean, thank you for accepting my offer and joining my show. It really means a lot about me. But before jumping into the questions, tell us something interesting about yourself. Well, I've spent the last 15 years uh, as a rock star, traveling around the world with my band, Big Kettle Drum. And uh, just just in the last couple of years, I've transitioned off the road. And now uh, I speak full time as, uh, as my career as a keynote speaker. Awesome. Now, tell me, tell the audience that amazing story and how you got to the top. So for me, success comes when we consistently can make good decisions. And what I started to ask myself is, what is a good decision? How do we know when we make a good decision? And the answers that I consistently got from people all had to do with the outcome. They considered the outcome of that decision to determine whether or not it was good. And in reality, that's not how it works. Uh, the science doesn't support that. In fact, we have no control over the outcomes of our decisions. We can only control the deliberate intention that goes into making those decisions. And so as I dove deeper to try to figure out what makes a decision good and how can we consistently make them, I stumbled across something that, that really sort of made me nervous, and that's the majority of people that I interviewed and spoke to at every level, even the CEOs of billion dollar organizations, when I asked them, how do you know when you make a good decision, what we realized is they're winging it. They're actually making decisions that are not in line with what matters most to them because they've never taken the time to define their core values. Amazing. So when did that uh, like spark of becoming a rock star uh, lighten in you? Were you in like <laughs> a college, high school, or maybe as even a kid, like my age? So, yeah, so you know, it was interesting. It wasn't what I had planned on. Uh, I had planned on playing professional baseball uh, my whole life and uh, got injured. And so I wasn't able to pursue that any longer when I was in college. And so I started to uh, look at other things to do to fill up with my time and uh, music became that thing for me. But even even then, I was the vice president of business development for the largest commercial collection agency in the world when uh, I sort of felt this calling into the music world and quit my job, uh, became a singer-songwriter, ended up forming this band, signing a record deal, and uh, just very, very fortunate to be able to make it my living for the last 15, 20 years. But why did you decide to become a, a keynote speaker?
else? Or you were uh, always passionate and persistent to your dream? Uh, well, yes, and uh, always passionate, always persistent. But absolutely, there have been times that I just wanted to throw in the towel. And you know, you ask yourself, what are you doing? Uh, why are you continuing to beat your head against the wall if it's not happening? Why do you con- uh, you know continue to pursue it? But I think that's part of when you have a calling in your life, when you feel like you are meant for something more. Um, tapping into that power that comes with that allows you to to survive those failures it allows you to get through those really tough days when you just want to quit um and and there have been times that i've quit for a day or i've quit for a few days and then got back on the horse and and had to get back up again and, and pick myself up and move forward but i think we all face those things but the beauty of defining those core values the beauty of knowing what matters most to you is that is the fuel that you can use to pick yourself back up and move on when you became a, a motivational speaker, uh, I mean, uh, for uh, I mean, your motivational speaker for like five years. Uh, am I wrong? Yeah, that's about right. Yep, five six years now. Wow. So you got some experience. Can you tell the younger ones and the one who starts motivational speaking some advice on how they should grow, how to grow, and. Uh, like some tips and tricks. I mean, you can't just succeed in motivational speaking. You have to have, you know, the body language, etc. How did you succeed in that niche? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so I've been having a, a conversation with some colleagues of mine, and and you know, we sort of put speakers, uh, motivational speakers, any any sort of keynote speaker, we sort of put them in two buckets. One is you're either a thinker or you're a performer. And so the, uh, if you're a thinker, it's really all about your content and what you're presenting. And if the content is great, then it, it, it sort of can take over for not being a great performer. On the flip side, if you're a performer, you really know how to work a crowd. You really know how to get people excited about something and keep them interested. Um, but maybe the content isn't as strong as it could be. But the holy grail is a mixture of the two. It's to <clears throat> have a, a incredible content but at the same time, be an incredible performer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what I would say uh, as some tips and tricks is you should be studying people who are doing amazing things, whether it's TED Talks, uh, whether it's just jumping on YouTube and, and searching out you know, some speakers who are amazing. People like Scott Stratton uh, is a legendary keynote speaker. Um, people like Phil Jones uh, who are out there doing it time and time again, Jay Bear, uh, Brian Fanzo. Uh, these are people, uh, Brian Fanzo is a, a younger keynote speaker that if you are just getting into the game and you sort of want to see what this next generation looks like, he's killing it right now. And uh, I think there's there's so many people out there that you can watch, you can learn, you can see their body language, you can know exactly what it is that they're trying to do. Um, and you start to em- emulate that, you start to mimic that. Just like as a musician, when I first started to play guitar, I didn't pick up a guitar and just start writing my own songs. I, I picked up a guitar and I tried to play other people's songs. And as a speaker, you want to do the same. You want to try to emulate those people that you love, that you think are similar to how you want to be. It's how you vision yourself maybe in in two, three, four years down the road. You start emulating what they do until you develop your own style, your own voice, and can transition into being an original. Do you plan on starting your 
podcast about rock or like uh, uh, life coaching, education. We plan something anything like that. Yeah, so there, I have a brand new podcast with a uh, what my business partner named Jim Knight. Uh, Jim Knight was the head of learning and development for Hard Rock International for 21 years. And Jim and I are starting a podcast called Thoughts That Rock. And it starts in July. And you'll be able to subscribe to that wherever you get your podcast. And it really is going to feature the best advice ever given to our guests. And so we look at two separate thoughts uh, in a 30-minute format, and you get to hear some of the best pieces of advice and how they change people's lives. Do you think that young uh, musicians and artists can still succeed in the music industry if they just don't have talent? I mean, I'm not saying that uh, being good musicians is about talent, but there are some people which are really, really talented and they succeed. What do we need to succeed in the music industry as an entrepreneur, independent songwriter, anything like that? Wow. That's a tough question, Uh, especially in this day and age. You know, while it's, you know, the internet has sort of revolutionized how people get access to music, uh, it has also flooded the gates with people who aren't blessed with natural talent. And so there is a massive sort of group of people who are out there trying to put out music that you know, speaks to them, but maybe only to them. Uh, I think that that as you look at that, it it's such a subjective thing. Music is so subjective. You know, you can listen to something and it just doesn't resonate with you and someone else can listen to it and think it's the most amazing thing they've ever heard. And so it's really about connection. So it's not about it's not about how good the music is. I wish it were, but it's not. It's about the connection with the people that love what you do. And if you build a community of people who love you and support you, then your music can be great, your music can suck. It's not really gonna matter because they are there because they've got this connection with you. And I think you can see that across the board in the music industry these days, the people with rock solid fan bases, the people with with fans that will do anything and travel around and watch them perform, uh, those are the ones that, that have the longevity and can stick around you know, 10 years from now, as opposed to the person who has one hit song that was, you know, produced by a famous producer and uh, they're here and they're gone before you know it. But the ones who really last are the ones that form that tight, tight relationship with their fans. So how can we build that network of connection if we're just starting in the industry? Mm. So I think it's, if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he has something called the dollar 80 approach, which is basically going into your social media and responding to people or commenting on, on posts. And he says, put your two cents in. If you do that 90 times a day, that's your dollar 80 a day that you are putting in. And if you can do that, uh, you start to make connections and that's really what it's about. You start building a network of people who become interested in what you have to say. And so if you're just out there starting out, find those people that, that you admire, find those people that inspire you and define what matters most to you because that's what's going to help you stay committed to achieving anything you want to achieve. Okay, man. Thank you for the interview. I'm going to ask you one last question, which is a bit of curiosity, but 
Which social media, by your opinion, is going to help these uh, songwriters and artists to build the connection? I mean, the best social media for that, like Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. So I would say Instagram has got to be the sort of far and away uh, the leader right now, just because it's so visual. And now that you've had, they've added the ability for video as well. Um, you know, we're still the majority of humans are, are are motivated visually by something. And so capturing a picture, capturing an expression um, that you can also add some text to just becomes huge. And and the ability to stay connected there in small little bites, it's longer than something like Twitter. I think Twitter is going to stick around because it sort of was one of the pioneers uh, of social media. Same with Facebook, of course, just from the sheer volume of people who use it. But the demographic of both of those things are really tailor to to the older you know say the 40 plus generation anybody under 40 is really focusing on the instagrams and the tiktoks and and that's really where they find uh, that they're going to build that connection okay man thank you for that interview that was some value bombs dropped here for everyone who's going to be a music writer or just a life coach and motivational speaker thank you for that interview and i hope to have an amazing day thanks thank you same to you, Nikki. Thanks so much. I think we're going to end. I'll see you soon. You bet. I'll see you soon, man. Always have some.